Um, and uh, why would that be? How and it, now, why would it be late? And now we're recording. Okay. Uh, why would it be late? Well. Yeah, I was just explaining. I got in late last night from uh, Alberta. You ever been to Alberta? Oh, oh yeah. Alberta bound. Alberta bound. Alberta bound. Yes, I've been to Alberta. I've been to Moose Jaw, and now I can die. Mm-hmm. That's an actual song. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to ask you because it's what we do. What was the weather like? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Because <laughs> it sucked here. Did it really? Well, we had gale force winds all weekend until sometime yesterday. Um, it, it you know, and Dan would remember this because Alberta, like the part of Alberta that we from the east of Calgary. All the way here is just prairie. So Calgary still gets a lot of those prairie thunder showers. where, Dan, it was weird. One side of the city, you could see the sun. And then right over top of us was a torrential downpour. And it poured oh. hard for about 20 minutes, like to the point where cars were stopped. But you could also see on the other side of the city where it was sunny again. It's like very localized, you know, weather events, maybe because of the mountains and the prairies. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here Friday, it was ridiculously windy. Saturday, ridiculously windy. And, you know, we've often said the wind can ruin a nice day. Absolutely. The sun was out. But I I literally had to turn over all my patio furniture because it was blowing all over the place. Just like hour to hour. It was crazy. It was a couple of great fall days. <laughs> yeah, so. and then yesterday, I, you know, Saturday night, I'm babysitting my two beautifuls. So we get up, and yesterday had some promise, and they get in the pool, and then all of a sudden it turned to October. Like, we just watched it move in. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was overcast, and the sky looked angry here above Brampton. Speaking of angry, um, he's clipping just a little bit. Yeah, um, and you're popping, and you're popping a little bit. Am I popping? I don't pop. Okay, well, you, I'll uh, talk a little. All right, talk I'll, I'll try not to pop. It. All right, More so across. Well, I'll end. put this back on if you want me to. Okay. All right. So not only are we late today for reasons I'm about to describe, but uh, now we're trying new microphones. Also, uh, right away, let's apologize. Did, I don't know uh, what arrangements we made with our guest Aaron Frost, but we're going to uh, rebook him. There's a guest though. That's been on our show so many times, he's not likely to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like the very first appearance of Darren Frost and, uh, oh my God, I was bumped. So I got in late last night. By the time, you know, it's funny, I didn't check any bags. And um, let me just back up and say, beside the weather in Calgary, I had a couple of days where I wasn't feeling great. I'm having some kind of uh, ongoing stomach issues, but not the. <laughs> Speaking of medical miracles, we have a on the show today. Our guest will be Dan Duran and his kidney stones. And we're going to get to that. Now, what is our timeline with you? How long do we have you for? I got to get out of here by about nine. Okay, so we, we can tell the story. Yeah. But anyway, I wasn't feeling great. I got in late last night. And the, the longest, like I got off the plane immediately, I go running down. And uh, all of a sudden, there's this 
half hour lineup to get a cab or a limo. You know that oh, where you? No. Yeah, man. You know, I said to somebody, "Isn't this? It's a busy night at Pearson. Shouldn't there just be hundreds? You always see hundreds of these cars waiting in that lot." Yeah, and they weren't. They were coming out one, two at a time. But when I got in that lineup, it was forty people. Forty people waiting for a car. Hmm. Anyway, so I, I, I've never seen that. I know. I, neither had I. I don't usually have trouble getting a car. Maybe half a dozen people or something, and then they just come streaming through. But is that tied to the price of gas? Is it tied to the overall mismanagement of that airport, which has now become a huge, huge issue? Like, how do they not fix that? I don't get it. It was a problem two weeks ago. It's the biggest airport in the country. How do you not fix that? I don't know. Well, I will say, because I wasn't flying internationally. Right. And I checked in already. I I left on uh, Thursday. I left my house here at noon, and by twelve forty-five, I had checked through security. Oh, like nice. it was nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and then coming back, like I said, I got off the plane. Everything was great until I got this lineup, and I asked the driver. I said, "I'm kind of surprised because usually there's two, there's more cars than there are people," and I didn't really understand his explanation. Mm. Is that, it has something to do with many of us died because of COVID. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't know where to go with the conversation after that. So I just, you know, stayed quiet. Yeah. Good what? <laughs> well, that, now that was three in the morning, but that was in your schedule. To well, no, no, no. I, that, yeah. I, I didn't. The problem was I got in late. So we got in at, yeah. by the time I got to the house, it was quarter to 12. And I haven't been feeling that great. So I tried to go to sleep and my, uh, you know, my stomach's bugging me a little bit. And I texted Fred at 1.45 in the morning. I still haven't gone to sleep. And I have an event tonight for one of our sponsors. I'm hosting uh, the Chamber Plan uh, annual convention. You know, one of these conferences and give out awards. And so I knew, you know, that's a priority for us. That's one of our legacy sponsors. And so I said to Fred in this note, I said, listen, I just I need to get some sleep. You know, normally at quarter to two, I'd be getting up at five forty-five, so I wasn't going to get a lot of sleep. So I, Fred, uh, said, "Great, I slept in till about seven fifteen, and uh, so this is where we're at. That's why we're doing the show later today. In fact, originally I said to Fred, "Oh, let's just not bother." And then I said, "Well, I could be up in an hour." I called him about seven fifteen. I said, oh, "Okay, I could be up in an hour. We could do it." So here we are. Good. Can we back up just a little bit? And because uh, I've been curious, you went out west to uh, celebrate your brother's birthday, and it was a surprise arrival by your other brother and you, right? Well, anyway, I'll get to all that. That's okay. this is just pre-show. Oh, okay. All right. We'll Sorry, get to all that. Show. All right. On the show today, we'll talk about <clears throat> brother David's birthday surprise. We'll talk about uh, uh, another surprise, another shock in the family. Where uh, was it? Friday morning? No. Thursday morning. Yeah. Okay. So Thursday morning, this is how the show will begin, Freddie. Thursday morning, I received an urgent text from Fred Patterson, and all it said was, Dan Duran has been taken to the hospital. 
This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Bodog, Geek Sky, the retirement Sherpa. Yeah, hang on a second. Yeah, the sound's all fucked up. Oh. Yeah, it's not you. It's not you, it's me. Yeah, you know what? You know, I didn't do my normal uh, checks. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, it's coming out of a place it's not supposed to. The, um, okay. So original sound is on. So, mm-hmm. no, actually, it, it should have been fine. Because all the, all the microphone. Fine. What's that, Freddie? Yeah, sounds fine to me. Yeah. Sound a little loud on my side. Yeah, that's the thing is. Um, I can't figure out. It's, it's coming off the same fader as you. Why is that? Because hmm. uh, your laptop, you, you uh, separate the, uh, the headphone feed. Oh, there we go. Hang on. That's it. There we go. Now it'll be fine. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> See, this, this is, you know, this is just a little casual show. This isn't like a regular show. We weren't even supposed this to be doing the show today. This is raw. This is real. This <laughs> is getting back into the groove. <laughs> this is genuine. This is down to earth. This is all those things that podcasts are supposed to be, you know. <laughs> In the podcasting manual. Is it really? <clears throat> all right. Uh, Start again. Start again, and and we got to do something about him because he's still cack. He's still snapping that thing. It's I don't, we, I, I don't know, guys. Hmm. I don't know what to tell you. It's not it's, snapping in my ears. Yeah, it is to yeah. us though. Okay, yeah. so okay. Thursday Thursday morning or Friday morning? No, it was Thursday morning. All I received was a text from Fred saying Dan's on the way to the hospital. <laughs> this episode of Humble and Fred. Is being broadcast to the world from Hubble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Relaxicare, and DraftKings. And now here are two men who spend Father's Day either around a pool with grandkids and kids smothering them with appreciation and love for all the special things that he has done to make their life better, or taking a four-hour flight from Calgary that lasted 19 hours. It's Humble and Fred. All right, all right. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Just going to get your text here. Uh, as I say, Darren Frost was going to be our guest, and we will reschedule. We did talk about Darren's show with Kenny Robinson the other day. I'll be part of that July 8th at the Rec Room. Uh, put that on your schedules. This is from Fred Patterson, Thursday morning. 8.37 a.m. Dan, just left the park in an ambulance with severe abdominal pain. Don't know what it is. We're going to find out who can go into the hospital. Was conscious, but a bit delirious. And now, gentlemen, I, I cede... What do they say in the committee? I yield my time to you two. <laughs> it's funny yeah. that when I use the word delirious, um, Dilly said... Was sitting there, and she goes, "Well, he's not delirious." 
And I said, well, that's the best way I can describe it, darling. Plus, before I had used delirious, I Googled it to see exactly what it meant because I wanted to describe the way he looked when he went, when we put him in the car at the trailer and then took him down to the highway where we met the ambulance. And uh, delirious to me is a good word because he, it was, he was like, you know, somewhere else. But anyway... So I'm actually in the washroom, on the toilet, okay? Mm-hmm. And I hear this tapping on the door of my uh, tin palace. And I'm thinking, what's that? What's that? And then I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. Maybe Dan, they're going away and they want to let me know that, uh, that Clifford. I have to look after Clifford. But anyway, it goes away. And then I get up and then a couple of minutes later, bang, banging on the door again. And it's cold. And I said, what's going on, buddy? And he goes, my dad, my dad, he's hurting. He's hurting. That was the word he used. Mm. So I immediately think, oh, Dan's hurt himself. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then I run behind him and he runs into the trailer and. I run into the trailer, and there's Dan writhing in pain on the bed. And immediately I'm thinking, heart. Mm -hmm. So, like Colton had, I said, Dan, where's it hurt? And he goes, oh, abdominal, abdominal. I said, it's not up in your chest. And he said, no. So I relaxed a bit, but Dan was really, really in rough shape at that moment. Then he got up off the bed and sort of stumbled into the bathroom, got on his knees and started puking into the toilet. (laughs) Mm. Whilst he's puking, between heaves, he's telling me that he had had a bowel movement and it was quite loose. And that concerned him as well, because he doesn't often have loose uh, bowel movements. Mm. So this is all. It was all coming. (laughs) Wait wait. Wait a second. Not everyone has loose bowel movements? Oops. (laughs) Wait a second. You don't regularly paint the bowl? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Good. Okay, so, so you were alarmed. Well, I was because he was in rough shape and his color was not good. And, you know, he was sort of gasping his words out um, to describe it some way. And um, so I immediately thought, well, come on, well, you got to go to the hospital. I'm not screwing around. Here we are in a goddamn trailer park. I'm not going to see, yeah. you know, if you're going to be all right in 10 minutes, let's uh, let's go to the hospital. And then I thought, maybe I should just phone an ambulance. And Dan said, no, don't fa- phone an ambulance. It'll take too long. But then I'm thinking, 35, 40 minutes to the hospital in the car, if this gets worse, I don't want to be driving while this guy's getting worse. Just a quick question, if I may. When, when, he, when he said he wanted you to drive him, was part of right. your reticence not just the time? But the fact that he might shit himself in your car. <laughs> no, I had thought of that. No, so no, of course. That's why I knew you yeah. would. So I was going to use his car. Ah, uh, yeah. perfect. And, come on, gas is yeah. $2.10 a liter. I'm going to use my car. That's right. Right. You know the way my mind works. Well, yeah. of course, well, and, and now you know the way my mind works. I'm not having yeah. this guy shit himself in my car. I don't care what he's yeah. doing. Fred's going, is this, is this gonna, how much is this going to cost me? That's right. So, how much will this cost? Because I could think more clearly than Dan. You know, I have, I've heard this many times, right? Like, you go by ambulance. When you get to the hospital, you're, you're on a gurney. You stay on a gurney. The paramedics apparently have to stay with you until a doctor sees you. So I thought that's way better than driving him there, pushing him into an emergency room and have him, having him sit in a chair, writhing in pain. You know, and that and that's all ec- excellent advice for for the moment that we were in. And it, it was the right 
totally the right. So choice. what about you, Dan? During this, uh, these few minutes when Fred came over and you started to throw up and the reason you were gasping for your words were, excuse me, because you're you know, because you were in such pain. Yeah. And I was in pain for a while, like, I don't know, it's probably about half an hour after. And I kept thinking, oh, this is going to go away. And it just getting, it kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, when you've talked about it for when pilots don't realize that they're in a moment of crisis. Yes. And I was trying, I actually thought about you saying that. Is it, and I was like, is this a crisis? Is this just, you know, me being super constipated or something? I don't know. So, uh, but, uh, but wanting to drive there was, was a dumb idea. But I had it in my mind it'd just be faster to get there, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but it was it was the right it was the right solution to to get the ambulance show because then I was you know I had you know ten you know they wired me up to all their uh, monitoring machines and and uh, and they kind of figured out what was going on before uh, I even saw a doctor they they threw it they, this is probably what it is because I was worried about it a, a burst appendix or something I didn't know what side of any my body any of this stuff was on mm-hmm. so. Well, Delise did a quick search, and it was on the wrong side for burst appendix. But again, you never know, and that's that's why I wanted to call the ambulance, because we didn't know it was kidney stones at the time. It could have been anything. Yeah. So again, I don't want him, I don't want to be driving to the hospital and he expires, or it gets worse, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing, Dan, whenever it's you, you want to pretend it's not as bad as it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't need an ambulance. No, no, it's that... And then yeah. I thought, no, I'm not taking any chances here. They, you know, as I said to the woman at 911, I said, you know, I, I got a guy here and he's, you know, pretty much in his mid-60s. I don't know what's going on here, but he's in distress. So I want an ambulance. And then I thought, I don't want the ambulance coming into the park because it's hard for it to turn around. So I said, listen, I will drive this guy to the highway. It's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> Just leave him there. <laughs> I'll drive him to our yeah. road and the highway, Highway 28 there. And I said, I'll be standing there waiting for, we'll be there waiting for the ambulance. So we went out, probably 10 minutes it took. Yeah. I don't recommend having a, a heart attack when you're in cottage country and you need an ambulance. Because it took about 10 minutes for it to come. And then it came down the highway and I stood out and I flagged it down. Which was still better than putting them in the car and driving for 35 or 40 minutes. It still was, because they got there, and immediately he was on a gurney mm-hmm. and all these wires on him. They, they, they've been there before. They, the symptoms they knew it, you know, wasn't life-threatening, so to speak. So that was all good. But yeah. just, yeah, and, and I want to pick up that thread in a second. But, you know, back to what you said, Fred, is kind of what Dan was commenting on. What I've said before is... And it doesn't just have to do with aviation. When something's wrong with us, especially men, our instinct is to play it down. It's like you go into denial because you think, well, you know, maybe this isn't serious. Maybe it's constipation. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe my heart isn't having, you know, all those things. And and men especially are legendary, as we've spoken on the show a bunch of times. You know, we have a, a you had a friend that, you know, was having heart troubles and just went up and have a nap and never woke up. So that those moments of denial, like you, you probably were in some distress, Dan. And I think I'm correct. The story goes that before before you even alerted Colton and then had and then because did you tell Colton to go get help from Fred or did he just see that you were in? No, distress? I, I, I told him, yeah, because I just uh, so, I needed. So there were lots of minutes before you did that. 
I'm oh, yeah. Sh- yeah, that, yeah, there was a, a period of time where you were like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> I'm, this seems normal. Well, I, I, I would, if there was a security camera on my bed from a, a, above, mm-hmm. it would have looked like I was uh, possessed. Because I kept uh, writhing, just trying to find a, a, a position, that, right. you know, stretching or whatever to not feel the pain so much. And I uh, could not find that position. But I kept also thinking that this is just going, this will pass. This will pass. And it just didn't pass. It, was there anything you could time. do, any position you could get into that made it feel a little bit better or, or no? Nope. Not at all. Not one. Wow. So, and yeah. it's, um, you know, that sort of feeling of, it's a feeling of helplessness because, again, you don't know what it is. And you're watching your buddy in all this distress and you know it went beyond the pain just his color was awful as well which concerned me obviously but whenever you're in that kind of distress it does make you sure flush a bit but yeah like so, his color uh, was it like yeah. he was he was red-faced or or ashen no 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 ashen yeah yeah ashen so when you got into the ambulance they quickly hook you, hook you up to all the uh, monitoring systems yeah quick how quickly did they ascertain that it was not a burst appendix or a, you know something in your because uh, all that stuff's on your right hand side yeah How, I, you know i don't really know like they they more or less said that when i got to the hospital and i was getting it but when did you get basically. drugs for the first time uh probably about five minutes in they they gave me a in the ambulance naloxone. yeah and i think it may have been naloxone or something like that and that took and and, and were you instantly feeling better no oh okay no, they said it would take a little while, but it did. And, you know, by the time I got to the hospital, it started to lighten up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. it just came in waves after that. But, yeah. And remember, the paramedics really, they're not supposed to diagnose, I would imagine. Or the admitting uh, nurse or no, wh- whoever admitted you said, oh, you know, it looks like uh, uh, kidney stones. But obviously they can't defend no they totally qualified it says you know it, it, it could be right. this but it you know be. this is what but um, the doctor will see you soon so and then once and then at that point you're thinking you know i don't want kidney stones but i'd rather have kidney stones than something worse right yeah oh yeah for sure and the uh but i've said this and anybody who's had this situation before and i've heard all kinds of stories since about people with with uh, kidney stone passing it is or, or it, when it when it flares up like that it's the worst pain mm-hmm. i've never 10 out of 10 i've never had a pain worse in my entire life there was there could, you can't describe it and you're you, a you per- just can't describe it and you're a person that had somebody try to chop off your nose <laughs> yeah I, I attacked myself with a chainsaw so yeah, yeah. That somebody was you. <laughs> yeah. See, in those situations, right, you're helped through shock, right? Yeah. yeah. So it sometimes takes the pain away. When you have this type of pain, you don't really have any of that shock factor. Um, so you've passed the stones? And again, this will lead us into the usual probably, but... Um. Yeah. Well, I was I, after I got out of the hospital and they gave me um, a, a, whatever the drug was and morphine. Uh, to help out in case it flared up again. Uh, it just, I, I had a few sort of rounds, but nothing as as severe as it started out being. And then w- within 24 hours, I was totally fine. So I didn't, I don't know 
what moment it was, but I'm pretty sure it's passed through, and I didn't really feel it uh, in the final. final but, were, were, you, were you not supposed to pee into a strainer? I did for a while, and then it just, uh, you know, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> what do you mean? I did for a bit. But no, I mean, it, like the doctor said, well, you can do that, but, you know, this is your first time that you've had this. Right. If it starts happening, then uh, for he, he told me because they did a, um, uh, what's the x-ray version, uh, CAT scan, I guess? Yep. They uh, uh, did that instead. It was, like, really, really small. So oh, okay. there's two little tiny, tiny stones. So he said, you may or may not feel them coming through. Mm. Don't worry about it so much. If it happens again, then we'll make sure that we try and figure out why, if it's diet-related or some other reason. And mm. then they can do that by analyzing the stone. Okay. He was using the strainer, however. Then he had to make a cup of tea. So <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a coffee like, filter. How, um, how soon did Fred, because I know I was talking to you, <laughs> and, uh, I actually uh, had a kidney conference with Dan and my brother Steve because Stevens yeah. had it. And I said to Stephen, can you call Dan and just talk to him about this? And, uh, and the two of them spoke for a while. And then um, we started talking about the size of the kidney stones. And I said, well, they're probably <laughs> the size of marbles. You know, where they're going to pass through that giant hose. And, you know, that type well, of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I took the other thing, saying you're at a great advantage. Right. right. Most people. The kidney stones yeah. are probably a problem, like, inside you. But out, it's like, my God, this is a super highway. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was thinking the other way. I was thinking people should be, if there's, hopefully there's no children around when, when that musket shot goes off. Yeah. <laughs> when... When yeah. the the ball peen that is Dan's right, <laughs> but Dan, you're lucky because I was reading some. It can last for days with some people. Oh, I I feel lucky. Believe me, but not only having you know people around me like you uh, and, and ready to to help out, but also that that it didn't last that long. I was surprised how I felt like a normal person the next day, like right back to my normal self. And I was only in dread of the <laughs> two different uh, things. Yeah. normal person. Yeah, yeah, normal. Normal. <laughs> exactly. It's not my normal. It's gotta get carried away, Dan. We're Dan, talking Dan about normal. you. Yeah, I felt like Dan normal. Yeah, uh, right away. But but in in fear of because I had talked to your brother, uh, I had talked to Steve, Kidney Steve, Kidney Steve, who's had this, and it's, yeah. and we were talking about because I wanted to know, well, if this comes out, am I going to feel it or not or whatever? And and it's it was the well, you never know mm -hmm. if it's if it hasn't come out, it could the same thing could happen all over again. And I was going, oh, well, I could, you know, middle of something, all of a sudden I'm doing that again. Right? Well, you were so I was alerted to this, as I say, like. Um, so, oh, by the way, we're just getting a note here from uh, our producer on Facebook. It says Fred is quiet in the mix, not nearly as loud as you and Dan. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, because well, Dan, I would I would just say this: I've noticed on these mics that that we're trying out that definitely there's been when Fred turns it up, something in the preamp stage is definitely affecting his um, overmodulation. But I because yeah. I could feel it. So well, yeah. I I turn myself down a bit. So. Okay, we'll turn it back up, and if you if you overmodulate, we'll just have to deal with it after the show. Yeah. So to your point about feeling normal, so Fred sent me the note at like eight o'clock in the morning. I was in line uh, at the airport 
boarding. So we boarded around, I don't know, one thirty or 2 in the afternoon. And I spoke to you. And you sounded fine. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, I had uh, after that, I still I had some rounds of like it felt like it was going to start up again. And, uh, you know, at that point, I'd had some painkillers and stuff. And then I think I hadn't passed it yet. And so it was, there were some rounds. There were some waves of it coming through. But then within, you know, by the next morning, uh, it was done. It yeah. was over. Yeah. I just figured, Fred, he, if he passed it, maybe in his sleep, he'd wake up and there'd be two big giant. You know, meatballs, <laughs> Me, meatball yeah. size, new friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, you know, well. one of those things that, uh, again, you know, you start a day thinking it'll just be like any other one, and there you are. You haven't even had your first coffee, and you're in a crisis. That's the way she goes. That That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you just never know what's coming for you. Well, Dan, I'm, you know, I was obviously concerned. And as I told you, I, I appreciated that Fred was on site. You know, why I wasn't immediately called. Howard. Well, because I knew you were heading out uh, west. I, th- I knew. Uh-huh. I thought you were on a flight already by the time all this had happened. I didn't. No, I meant in the consultation uh, discussion. Oh, the consultation phase, yeah. I would have I would have diagnosed kidney stones. Uh, it <laughs> turns out my other brother also has had them. Oh, oh really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're uh, you're on uh, you're on uh, deck then. If you're both your brothers have had them, they, well, like well, Steve had it when he was in his 30s, right? Yep. Yeah. So you can have it at any. It's not age, age specific. Yeah. I'm drinking lots of water, though. I gotta say. Is that what they tell you to do? Yeah. Well, I, they did say that. Yeah. Mm. And I'm making sure that I'm uh, properly hydrated at all times. Well, but, um. Is that part of what causes uh, kidney stones? Um, I haven't looked that deeply into it. I'm sure that it is part of it. it, it you know, if a certain kind... Of, I know diet does affect certain kinds of, of kidney stones. Sure. Some of them, I think, some of it's more hereditary. I know there, there's people I've talked to since. Uh, uh, somebody who's who's had three children, she has had this and prefers childbirth over this. Uh, but she gets it regularly. Uh, you know, every few years it'll come up, it'll crop up. Mm. Just uh, yeah, Well, it is one of those things. Like I guess it's not a myth. They say that passing a kidney stone is as painful. And uh, there's a woman confirming it can be as yeah. painful as giving birth. Yeah, but a man better not say that. Yeah. You know. A man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, man. Because yeah, no man knows. <laughs> no man knows. Anyway. You got to let a woman make that. Yeah. You got to. You got. You got to let a woman introduce that subject. Yeah, men. Right. Men can't know anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I would. I said this is the worst pain ever. Yeah. Right? Women got no. No. no you really. You, you, you don't know. No idea. You don't know the kind it's of. The worst pain. pain ever for you, but it's yeah. not the worst pain ever, right? Well, and then, of course, they can always trump it by saying, yeah, well, once I had a kidney stone while giving birth, so suck it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm happy you're well, that you feel better. I hope you have passed your uh, stone. I I do, too. I think I have. I think I'm in the clear for now. I'm going to ask Fred a question. So Mm -hmm. once Dan was okay... Like, when I saw the note from you, I was obviously quite concerned, and I called you right away, our dear friend Dan in distress. But then pretty early on when I found out he was okay, 
I immediately thought, oh, this will be great. <laughs> this will be great to talk about. <laughs> How quickly did that occur to you? Oh, while it was happening. <laughs> I knew it. I, I can't lie. Yeah. My son Colton asked me, how soon, how soon do you think they'll, uh, before they start making fun of you about this? And I said, Monday Instantly. <laughs> Instantly. Instantly. It's going to go one of two ways, right? It's either we're going to come on the show and have a lot of fun with it, or we're going to have like a really sad memorial show for Dan Duran. Because we'd have to do that. What, the whole show? <laughs> or you, you mean like a segment <laughs> All right. One of two ways We're going to go You know we're going to have a half hour of fun Or we're going to have a five minute memorial for Dan <laughs> And then, then go right. to fun Yeah I like the fact that the Colton Who's been around all of us Long enough to know that it, mm-hmm. That as soon as Dan's okay <laughs> Yeah because I think During the call with Fred I think we were all we were starting to make fun of it and the fact yeah. that if it was a kidney stone it was going to pass through a giant love canal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, had to cancel my uh, big show too by the way. Oh my no. Stage appearance my fundraising thing that I was doing at the uh, Peter Theater Guild. Yeah. Well, how did they what did, who did they replace you with? Or what did they um, replace with you with? <laughs> no, they found a, a found a guy. What's uh, that Fred? They what? A paddle. <laughs> I was going to say, they found a mannequin. They just put it on wheels, just big yeah. Dan Duran. No, uh, a, a guy who is gay uh, stepped in. It was kind of hilarious. He's quite flamboyant, uh, stand-up comic. So, yeah. And what does that have to do yeah. with anything? Yeah, what's that got just, to do? It just, it just, it was because the, the role was a gigolo for this girl. Yeah. So it was, so, it was and he was being. could have been a, yeah. uh, a gay gigolo, couldn't he have done? I guess he could have, yeah. Wow. No yeah, idea, Dan. Skills very, that he was gay. Very homophobic all of a sudden. Interesting, yes. yeah. Mm. Disappointing, actually. <laughs> okay. Thank yeah. you. All right. Seriously? Well, he anyway, right, it was apparently... right to that. Mm. Wow. Goodness. Mm. He's harboring some feelings. That's right. Oh, Are you boy. sure that stone didn't yeah, pass through your rectum? <laughs> oh, God. You... <laughs> you opened the oh. door. <laughs> you started it. Uh, so you were replaced by a man. That's all it has to be. I was, I was replaced, replaced by another, by man. Another, another man. Another man. I would yes. not have even noticed he was here. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So the and and Lisa, your girlfriend. How how soon was she alerted that her her lovely boy Dan was in distress? Uh, I called her in the ambulance to let her know that I wasn't going to make the the show that night, so they could figure. Oh, it out. that was a good move. Yeah. Good and then she, was, then she was freaked out, too, because of the whole... Of course she was. It was very concerning. So um, That's what I said to Colton. I said, man, this uh, is this... Uh, I said, buddy, is this just like a, a, a severe case of stage fright? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And Colton says, no, I don't think so. Unless, you know, like he's, I, he's done this kind of thing before. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Which was yeah. true. Well... Dan, thank you for your time this morning. Guys, we're going to have to have a session. Whenever you're free, um, we got to figure out the dynamics here because, you know, your right. mic is way louder than Fred's. Fred's is softer than mine. Mine, I don't, I can't even tell. But uh, finding you know, a balance. Yeah, well, so maybe no. turn your, yours down a little bit, the, yeah. the, the, the thing to Zoom and then the, to the Zoom channel. And then, Fred, if you can turn yours up a little bit. I don't know if there's well, well, probably. What I don't understand is I plug all different kinds of mics in here and they all. Yeah. yeah. These newer yeah. mics yeah. seem to have a lower. Uh, 
And right. what I don't understand is why continually that old mic that Dan's using is by far the best mic we have. Oh, well. Oh, well. We'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, and maybe you could just, maybe you could turn yours down just for a second, just to see if that has, has any uh, effect on the turn balance. Turn my mic down? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, like way down. Like that? Is that better? Mm, keep how about Keep now uh, speaking to you from the microphone? No, yeah, okay. Is that the actual trailer you were in when you started writhing with pain? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Okay. Over there, right behind mm. us. Yeah. Okay, son. Well, okay. I know you've got to take off. Uh, thanks very much. Good luck with your audition today, and so happy that you're well. Uh, Thank all you. my family uh, wishes you the best. Uh, the brothers uh, send their regards, obviously, to both of you, but found out yeah. that you were in distress. Yeah, they, they know what it's like, and uh, the the understanding is appreciated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. Okay, talk to you later, guys. There's Dan Duran, Fred. He was in a lot of pain. Yes, he was. I hope I don't get kidney stones. That mm. was awful. Although I've been in different levels of pain with, you know, my prostate issues and my back issues, but... To see somebody else like that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with Dan Duran, immediately when, when Colton said my dad's hurting, I'm sure that's what he said. And I my mind immediately goes to he's hurt himself. Yeah, of he's course. He's doing stuff, and I can yeah. see maybe he hurt himself. Cut his thumb off, that type and, of thing. And just Dan's image and stature, whatever you want to say about it, I don't equate him with, with um, sort of medical pain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I just, there doesn't ever seem to be anything wrong with him. So that's why I immediately thought I'm going to go out and he's going to be pinned between the shore on a dock or something. Or, mm-hmm. You know, he's cut his hand off with a saw or uh, whatever that may be. And what do you call this, too? You know, that that um, show he was in Thursday and Friday night was supposed to be in. You know, he has no words. He just dances a bit. Mm-hmm. And then right at the end, the only word he had was ouch ouch and ironically yeah. or whatever it was the day of the first performance he has a major ouch crazy is that but, is that like god or something yeah it's god looking down upon him um yeah i mean for sure i mean it could have been anything in terms of accidents because you know it might have been you know he'd gone nude swimming and uh, hooked himself onto an anchor could have Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so when I dash out immediately, I'm thinking, what am what am I about to see? I mean, it wasn't nice what I saw anyway. Yeah, but I really thought injury. Now you thought you were going to be like applying a tourniquet. Oh, there was going to be profuse bleeding. Yeah, you were going to have to like Colton. Where's his finger? Get some ice. Yes. That kind Something of thing. Like that. Yeah, of yes. course. Mm-hmm. And with you know good reason. You know, there was a time. You know, uh, we used to, you know, make fun of the fact that he was always walking into stuff. Well, that's it, too. When Dan embarks on a uh, on a project, he often, you know, nicks himself or hurts himself or bangs himself. He does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tend to do that, too, to be quite honest. Yeah. In my haste, my impatience, I often injure myself. Yes, I do. So that's Dan. Dan had to uh, go because he's got an audition, as you just heard. Um, 
Yeah, we're getting several people texting me, and I'm looking here on Facebook. I don't see any comments yet but uh, about the mic, but there's lots of people commenting. Um, so we'll that figure... I, that I'm low. That you're low. Mm. Um, I mean, it's just you and I now, so I bumped up your volume. And I'll okay. tell you, that whatever, he's, whatever setup he's using is by far the most presence the 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 board he uses the microphone he uses is the best of all three of us so i haven't been feeling very well either the last uh, month or so i think i've mentioned it and it's hard to describe because it's sort of you know like i just haven't been well i went to the doctor a few times and it's more of like a non-specific I guess people with IBS would relate to some of my symptoms. It's like, and I don't want to get graphic. It's not that I'm having loose eliminations, although that's part of it. But I'm getting these abdominal attacks. And I had another one in Calgary. And I've had a few of them over the last month where I feel fine. You know, I'm not feeling like sick or anything. You know, I've got some tightness in my abdomen. And um. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems I get like a, like I'll get this intense cramping, much like I've heard people describe who are, are lactose intolerant or gluten have gluten sensitivities or all those things or IBS. You know, I've looked up. I could have a little bit of diverticulitis. Some things something I'm doing is causing me to have discomfort and um and so I'll get to the surprise of David, but I, you know, I, that's another reason I wanted to sleep because I haven't been feeling all that great. My appetite isn't, you know, a hundred percent. And Noom aside, uh, I've been losing a little bit of weight, like not trying to, you know, and it, it just seems like I can't keep any weight on. Now, you know, my doctor explained to me, you know, your metabolism is speeding up. You know, I've been exercising a lot, and it's summertime. So, you know, and, and generally in the summertime, we all lose a little bit more weight. So on top of being very sort of strict with my Noom dieting, you know, I've been hovering around 178 to 181. Well, I weighed myself this morning. I'm 176. You know, um, again, so that would put me at 14 pounds, 16 pounds that I've lost since January. How many pounds have you lost? Uh, 15 or 16. Right. Mm-hmm. So not way outside of the sort of normal, like continual weight, but I'm not trying to lose any weight. I just am. So that's a little bit troubling. Well, yes. And I, so what's the deal? I don't know. Do you go back to the doctor and uh, revisit or do you have, um, Maybe you invest in one of those $3,500, top-to-bottom uh, physicals. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, well, yeah. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I, so while I had this episode on the weekend, and it kind of left the rest of the weekend. I wasn't really feeling that great. And, you know, I could eat, but I was trying to be careful with what I ate. And, um, you know, I, he said, my doctor says that, there's this thing where you're supposed to eliminate barley, rye, oats, and wheat, but 
which I and, and which I couldn't do completely because I, there was nothing else for me to eat. But um, like I don't know. I'm going to see how this week goes. Like I said, I feel fine right now. I had uh, bananas and berries for breakfast. Um, but I don't know. It's like one of those things where if I, oh, if, oh, I should just not eat that anymore. And I'd stop eating that. And then I would stop having these symptoms. Um, well, I know my mother, not long before she died, had stomach problems. And um, she just lived on a sure or had uh, the people at the home like mush up her food so mm-hmm. maybe you have to sort of pablomize all your your food <laughs> yeah but when you're in your 60s sometimes these things no i know so maybe you have to put all your food through a blender or something and who knows what the answer is howard but i'm sure we'll find one all right because we can't have you in this state you know the dander and thing with the kidney stones the other day on medical um I was Googling some stuff, and I just happened upon Elvis for some reason. You know, he didn't die of a heart attack or anything. Mm. He died He died of severe constipation, Howard. What? That's what it said. This man was constipated for the last few years of his life, and he used to spend a lot of time in the toilet trying to force one out. Read. Google. Read. No, I, will, I will. I will. And I'm thinking, how can someone die of severe constipation? But I bring this up only because, you know, our bodies, they're intricate little machines, right? And you just never know. Yeah, One little thing can go wrong and cause you this kind of discomfort and then sometimes lead to death. Okay, you're going to hate this, but now I'm what? getting messages from people saying right. you're overmodulating. Okay. So it, can we go to a different mic? You don't have a different microphone there with you? No, I've just adjusted my level. All right. There. How's that? Well, it still has a little bit of clipping because I, I'm trying to turn you up so people can hear you now. Okay, um, well, turn me down because I've adjusted my level on this end. Yeah, but what's over-modulating is coming from you, not me. Okay, but it's probably not now. Now now it's perfect because I've just pulled... I've, I've turned up your volume. Yeah. Okay. We probably should have done all this before the show. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, again, people are going to have to understand. We've had medical emergencies. Yes, we have. Our producer's peeing something out of his wiener hole. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just glad there's people listening and take such an interest in the levels of the show. Yeah, me too. Because I know it can be aggravating when you're trying to listen and it's uneven like that. Um, but there's an answer here. There's yeah, there, an answer. They're always we'll find it. Yeah. Um, I actually got a note this morning. This is real life, people. This is actually happening. I got a note from uh, one of my golf buddies. And he says, hey, hey, Howard, Lav here. Short for Lavery. He's a good man, Steve Lavery. He said, what chair did you get from Relaxacare? And uh, I think I mentioned it last week. Their chair I got, I upgraded to the symphony. And the symphony is like, well, it's a symphony of feelings and uh, settings. But the original chair I bought, and I'm just going to give you the number. Listen, these things aren't cheap, but they are worth it. The, the original chair I bought was $3,000. And I'm going to tell you, had I never been introduced to the symphony, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. You don't need to spend, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. You can spend a nice amount of money and get something like... The thing about a guy like Lavery, who's like you and I, he's had some back trouble. He uh, is very active and... Um, it's the kind of thing where if you had it in your home, I mean, I, one of the questions I get asked all the time, is the novelty worn off? Not at all. 
I can tell you I use it at least four or five times a week, and so will you. Relaxacare.ca. Go and check this out because not only do they have these chairs, they have all kinds of fitness um, and uh, different types of products, everything from chairs to saunas and everything in between. Relaxacare.ca. You can go and see them in person in, in Burlington and one of the biggest uh, showrooms in the country, but you can also order online. Go check it out now at Relaxacare.ca. Hey, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or a casino player, Bodog is your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their full-footed casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight. Colorado leads two games to none after that shocking 7-0 victory on Saturday night. But back in Tampa Bay tonight, it's pretty much a toss-up, people. Pretty much a toss-up. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, both teams minus 110 uh, is how the odds work on this one. So, yeah, you would call that a toss-up. Bodog for all your uh, gaming fun. Uh, I was just uh, responding there to my buddy. Is, where are we at? It's uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, Colorado's up 2 nothing. They beat uh, Tampa Bay 7 nothing on Saturday night, Howard. Did they really? Mm. Interesting. It was shocking. I'm still shocked. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you able to continue, or do you need a few seconds? Oh, no, I'm fine. All right. All right. Um, so, uh, listen, uh, we're doing a show... Uh, we're just going to do a shorter version of our show. I know a lot of people are like, why didn't it start at 7.30? Well, now you know that I went to Calgary, and today is actually my older brother's 70th birthday. And um, his lovely partner, uh, girlfriend, Ruth, had uh, uh, back in March reached out to my brother Stephen and I and asked, hey, if... You know, would you guys consider coming to Calgary? I want to do a little thing for David for his 70th birthday. And I said to Stephen, you know what? It's kind of, you know, we don't do a lot of things where our families get together. You know, the brothers. I said, we should do this. You know, he'd love it. And, And we've kept this a secret from him. You know, even last week he was texting me, hey, when do you want to get together and talk about, you know, some golf stuff? I said, yeah, why don't we catch up this weekend? That's what I said. So I flew into Calgary Thursday. Stephen picked me up. We hung out Thursday night. And then Friday, David didn't know we were in town. And I I didn't realize, by the way, Fred, at the time where the little hotel, the Best Western or whatever, that Stephen arranged for us was like five minutes from David's house. So I said to Stephen, I said, what if we what if we go to the keg and he sees us there? Anyway, he didn't. So the next day we go to David's uh, David and Ruth played a nice golf course in Calgary. Very, very uh, beautiful place in this canyon. It's called Canyon Meadows. The sort of setting in a, in a ravine. It's beautiful. And uh, we had been texting. OK, so David's on the range. Did, and you saw the video I sent you, right? Fantastic. So Stephen and I drive up in a golf cart, cart and David is, is just hit a, a shot, and um, Stephen's filming it, and I kind of walk up, and off camera I say something like, uh, and he still hasn't turned around. So we've driven up in a cart, 
And because he's just finished hitting, he's still looking at where the ball is. And he hears a voice behind him say, which is me saying, hey, would you guys mind if we join you? And he turns around and the video, I'm, I don't know if I should ask him if he wouldn't mind, but the video is cool because you can just see the, he just was dis, not disbelief, but just sort of confused. Like it's his <laughs> brother's. And there's a golf cart, and and he started to just he was like what, and he starts to laugh, and then he Plus put, he's seventy. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> he's seventy year old man, and um, he just looks over at his girlfriend off camera, and he did you know about this? Was his first words, and then he got a little you know teary, and he was very excited, and and then at one point he said, "We can all play together." <laughs> I said, "Yes, that's the idea. I that's know. why we're here." Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just thrilled. It was just so great. You know, it was just, and it was the perfect storm of, you know, the brothers and golf, which we all have in common. And uh, it was a great day. And funny because Calgary, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Calgary, you talk about the weather here on the weekend. Last week in Calgary, every day I checked the weather, it was the Red Ribbon of Doom on the Weather Network torrential rains like they had so much rain and then that day friday was perfect you know not too cold i mean not too warm overcast but nice you know that kind of prairie no humidity 22 degrees it was just great and uh i think the whole day friday he was just sort of just thrilled that we were there and i was happy we were there all weekend but that day on the golf course i think was kind of you know he was very touched my brother you know well how would you not be that was uh it was very sweet well it was a wonderful thing to do and that would be quite overwhelming (laughs) (laughs) because you know you plan your day and then that that next thing you know it goes in a completely opposite direction How, how did um how did he play i played okay you know, it was, I was, it was, but one thing that made me laugh is so I showed you that I sent the videos, the videos like 90 seconds long. Yeah. And so once the sort of surprise and whatever, we still had 40 minutes to go before we teed off. <laughs> this is true. So he goes from shock. His brothers are in town. Happy birthday, Dave. And literally, as soon as we turn the camera off, he goes, hey, can you look at my grip? <laughs> <You want it? laughs> That's great. It's so funny. We instantly like, let's get back. OK, so now that you're here, can we look at my golf swing? Which is pretty good, by the way. He hits it pretty for us. I'll tell you what. For a 70 year old man, he hits it great. For any year old person, he hits it pretty good. You know what I mean? He's a big, tall guy. He's strong. He's kept in great shape. And uh, I he moves the ball with speed. Like, I, uh, he hits it out there pretty well. Uh, he didn't have his best day that day, but it doesn't matter. We, ha- we all had a great time. I'd never seen the golf course before and um, really enjoyed it. And I played okay, you know. I, oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. I had to borrow clubs. The pro at the course, they don't have, it's a private course. And so a lot of those courses don't have rental clubs, but they do have demo sets. And when the pro found out that I was David's brother and we were doing this surprise, he didn't just give me a set of demo. He took a set of clubs off the rack and said, here, use these. Really? Yeah. And then, wow. well, I mean, we sort of were talking golf. He asked, you know, what's your handicap? And I... You know, shyly said, I'm a, you know, this is my handicap. And and then he went and built a driver for me. He went and got a shaft and he, you know, you can put the heads together. Like, he couldn't have been nicer. Like, it wow. was really, really nice. And then he said, well, I don't have, because I wanted a hybrid. Uh, 
what type of club. He says, I don't, I don't have one, but let me go get something out of my own set that I think you'll like. So it was, it, it couldn't have been nicer. It was a great, you know, it was a really nice gesture. And um, yeah, we had a good time and yeah. No, it was a great thing to do. And obviously, you know, and again, there you go with golf, eh? Yeah. Just such a great, in this case, not even social, but just a, just a great bonding thing. Something you can, you know, actually go to Calgary and do as part of that uh, sort of reunion. It's mm-hmm. great. Well, and, and something our family's done. Mm-hmm. You know, separately and together since we were all children. We all had the same teacher. You know, the guy that taught us all how to hold a golf club. You know, we have so many memories around our parents. You know, one I don't know if this ever happened in your house. Because you're, I don't know what your family dynamic was different than ours. But my dad was a very strict father. And, and dinner time in our home was very, you know, there wasn't a lot of screwing around. And I said to the guys, because I always have these memories, like, and I think maybe this is where my sense of humor was born because my brothers used to crack me up because there was rules at my, my father's table, you know, no playing around. You really couldn't. It was a very tense. <laughs> we talked about this weekend. Dinner time at my home in, in Moose Jaw was a very tense affair. And so my brothers would say things to me to crack me up knowing how, you know, because you weren't. It's like, you know, that kind of thing when you say something inappropriate in church or at a funeral. Well, that's what my dinner times were. A lot of them were like, and I just remember getting, they would make me laugh so hard, I'd have to leave the table. Like crawl away from the table. That kind of laughter where you know you're not supposed to laugh. And my dad would sort of be like, thought it was, I don't know, it didn't give me too much shit about it. But I think, Mm -hmm. I said to the guys, I said, you know, I think what I learned from them was that it's funny when somebody says something kind of off color or inappropriate or something at the wrong time. Like, oh, yeah. And that stuck with me because it made me laugh so much. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, the, so we had the same, we had the same stern father. Um, but certainly our whole family around golf, the four of us have played a few times, my two brothers, my dad and I, and that's pretty, that was pretty special. I'd say, I know a couple of weeks ago when me and Danny and Josh, my son-in-law, and uh, Johnny Slapshot went out, that was a special day for me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the way life gets in the way, I don't know if we'll ever do that again. All four of us on the same course at the same time probably will, and hopefully many times. But you never know. So that was a great moment for me. And again, it was that focus. We all like to golf, and we're bringing him and the little guy into the game, and it was great. It really is. So I can identify with that on, uh, on some level. Um, I'll tell you the rounds that John plays with you are going to be, mm-hmm. those are going to be the ones as he gets older. Because he's not long away from being, you know, uh, a groaning 12, 13-year-old, you know, boy who can play, yeah. you know, he'll be able to play with you guys for the rest of his life, for the rest of your life. Well, even out front of the house yesterday he loves to throw a baseball back and forth and it's even Howard over the past couple of months since we first went out it's just it's to see a kid's development mm-hmm. a couple of times yesterday he threw this through that ball at me and it actually hurt my hand <laughs> where did that come from that's funny like just straight and just sizzles into my glove um, <laughs> that's great how old is he now in a short amount of time he's nine 
Yeah, so he's already starting to throw it with some heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, and he loves it if you don't throw it right at him, so he has to run for it, too, which is, again, it's... You just see him take an interest in something and then just get better. Uh, you also asked about my family, and the dinner time was very un- informal at our place. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. We just all sat there and ate, and... The dinner usually ended with my parents putting cigarette butts out in the, into their plate. Yeah, of course. To give you, just think about that nowadays. But I remember that they'd light up after the after dinner, and then you know there wasn't an ashtray at the dinner table, so you just put it out in your you put it out in your potatoes. I, I've done that. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, that was standard. Oh. oh no, my parents finished every meal at the table. Hmm. Having a cigarette for sure. I also was, you know, I'm a pretty picky eater. I think I've told you this. And, and my brothers would get finished and they got to leave the table. And I had to stay there till I finished everything that was in front of me. Mm-hmm. And there were a few nights where, you know, I just didn't want to. I couldn't. It, you know, whatever it was has gotten, gotten cold or whatever. And uh, then my dad one night got into his head that I had to finish my milk. And I didn't want to. And so he basically held me down and poured it in my face, you know, which is also maybe why I became a comedian. Um, Oh, yeah. That's a true story. Come on. And I remember thinking, this can't be good for me (laughs) me psychologically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Come on. Really? Yeah, man. And what would your mother have been doing at this point? Smoking and looking the other way, I guess. But yeah, I remember that. I remember having that. Uh, well, because I was a very picky eater. My dad was a very strict guy. And um, he wouldn't take uh, no for an answer. So was your mother submissive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I don't know if my mom would have put up with that. Yeah. Well, you're, you know, everyone's different. You know, Although every- my, I, I'm not, I, don't, I can't see my dad, but that wasn't his nature. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, we, what do they call it? Corporal uh, punishment, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was big in our family, you know, getting the spankings. And and uh, I tell another story, I'm sure I've told you this, that my dad used to come home like literally 6 o'clock, 6.05, on the, like, clockwork. One of the first things he did was pour himself a scotch. And uh, around, uh, I don't know, let's say 5.15, 5.30 one night, I was acting up, and my mom sent me to my room mm-hmm. and told me to get on my bed, sit on my bed with my pants down, and wait there till my dad came home to spank me. And in, mm-hmm. and in that half hour, 20 minutes, whatever it was, again, I remember thinking, this is probably not going to be good for me later in life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sitting here with my fucking pants down, waiting to be spanked. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff like that back in the... Yeah, I don't fault them. I only ever remember my dad hitting me once, and it was just sort of a little backhanded. It it was on my hip because I... He was... I've probably told this story. He was putting a bed together or something, and it didn't go well. And he went, Jesus Christ. So I went, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I just mimicked mimicked him. And so he just turned around and, like, sort of swatted me, and it hit... And he got my hip, and it it was like, I I can't believe this. Because he had never, ever, ever hit us, right? Uh, But I had... Jeez, I had friends, man. 
there was kids in our street where you you know the old man had come out and beat them up on the boulevard right mm-hmm. in front of you yeah well that wasn't Lou's style Lou's very much a you know for appearance sake mm. you know my dad's uh Again, I didn't want to turn this into a therapy session, but my dad's nickname around the golf course was Sweet Lou because he had mm-hmm. a very sweet golf swing. Right. But I remember thinking, hmm, there's some fucking irony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Hey, um, you know, another thing we didn't get to last week, and I wrote it down and we didn't get to it today, but we are going to get to it tomorrow, which is the story um, of Dan having uh, his uh, bathing suit on. Was it backwards or inside out? Yes. No, no, it was backwards. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll For get to extended that. extended period of time. <laughs> Listen, I just, I'm only laughing because I... Um, you know, Rachel pointed this out to me a couple months ago that I was wearing a shirt right. inside out all day. I didn't even know it because it's just a, the way the buttons worked. I didn't... You'd think you'd have a, you'd think you would look in the mirror at some point and realize it's inside out. Anyway. The odd thing about Dan, though, I believe, and Darren made this observation, it was on backwards, but the pull strings, uh, the pull strings are actually tied in a bow tie, or in a bow. Right. Oh, I see, Jimmy. Yeah, they were, they were, they were done up. So Darren's going, so how did you do that? Like, you must have known they were on backwards, because if you did that, if you tied them up like that, but I guess it was a permanent bow or something, right. he just slides them on. But yeah, it was interesting. Um, if you're thinking about getting away, maybe uh, it's not just Calgary or you know Toronto you want to travel to. Maybe you want to hang out somewhere more exotic. How about the Dominican, Costa Rica, or Parts unknown. You deserve that peace of mind when you travel, so surf like a local with the tap of a button. Gig Sky offers a 100% data plan. You know all the drill. You can use all your you know, maps and Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, FaceTime. Gig Sky's got you covered. And I don't know if you've done what I've done, which is to explore the world of Gig Sky travel rewards, offering up to 50% cash back. On over 850,000 hotels globally, reduced rates for rental cars, and you can book theme park adventures. You can do this directly from your GigSky account. Visit GigSky.com slash travel rewards. Sign into your account for more information about this and download the app right now uh, for uh, iOS or uh, Android. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or... Visit gigsky.com for more information. You know, through Dan's situation the other day, a lot of things went through my mind. And one of them was this. What if I'm in the United States and I got kidney stones? Mm. You're in... Just just think about that. The pain that Dan was in. Can you imagine being in a foreign land and all of a sudden being being over overcome or overtaken by this hard excruciating pain uh, pain it would be a scary situation and then I'm thinking if that happened I wonder what the bill would be for kidney stones in the United States and then from there I went on to that well I wouldn't have to worry about that because we're part of the chamber plan yes we are and if that happened in the United States I'd be free and clear like you were in Arizona mm-hmm just a short time ago. The Chamber Plan, a travel plan, which is just uh, second to none within the, or, you know, within uh, the package, 
the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yes, prescriptions and dental. And again, that great travel plan they have. There's a mental health component now. They have an HR uh, option. It's all there. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. Find out what it will cost you for your small business. Chamberplan.ca. Bad of ourselves. I wonder that what that would cost, what Dan went through. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I was in the hospital for uh, six days. It cost $200,000. No, I know. Yeah. It's just crazy. crazy. Um, anyway, we, st- we still haven't addressed this issue with your uh, microphone. I'm just hearing from other people. But it's fine. Everyone, just put up with it for another 20 minutes. and then What is we're the gonna, issue Well, now? the issue is it's still clipping and overmodulating. And, and if something changed between last week and now. And um, and we'll figure it out. Um, this uh, where we just what happened was uh, we changed microphones. Fred bought a couple of different ones. I'm using a new one, but I don't know that it sounds much different. But um, all right, I'm just checking in here. So you know, I heard from somebody else that was in the hospital in the states recently as well. Yes. I don't know what a kidney stone would run you. Because, you know, there's so many... How they charge you separately. Like, the ambulance is a different charge. The emergency exam is a separate charge. And then the hospital, once they admit you. Because I remember getting bills from all... Well, my insurance did. From all of those different areas. Like, it's all segmented, right? Mm-hmm. So you would have paid, Dan would have paid for the ambulance and then he would have been paid for the emergency visit and any prescription stuff. Like we, didn't, we don't even talk about that. Their prescription drugs in the States are so overdone. Yeah, they're, that's just another. Overpriced, you mean? Yeah, overpriced. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, you know. We always compare ourselves to the states. Everything's cheaper there, but for yeah. when it comes to that, it's a whole different uh, situation. Uh, yeah, no kidding. When is the uh, next episode of the uh, January sixth committee? When does that happen? No idea. Can't wait. Can't wait. Last night I was uh, in the car and I was listening for a while to Fox News on Sirius and uh, that Mark Levine, just another despicable horrible human being who doesn't love his country just laid out the whole plan why the whole thing was a scam and and they're even trying to make excuses now for the republicans that are actually you know testifying do you, do you want to say against trump not against trump but testifying about the situation and that's still not good enough for them well, how do they explain that oh they're Nobody can cross-examine them. They have, you know, there was that, um, you know, that Pence's private lawyer or who was on the stand the other day. You know, they want to dig up any dirt they can about him. So they even turn on their own mm-hmm. to protect Donald Trump. But at the, at the, the bottom line is, at no point does this Mark Levine even entertain the thought that Trump did something wrong that day. Yeah. So they don't actually talk about what Trump did. They talk, they talk about how everybody else is making it into something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. When actually, it was. 
Well, Donald Trump... It's interesting. Donald Trump on his Truth Social platform, which I guess is his shitty attempt at Twitter. Yeah. You know, where most, you know, statesmen, whether you're an ex-president or you're a congressman or you're the prime minister, on Father's Day, you know, you might send out a message like, hey, you know, um, of all the things that, you know, these are typical Father's Day tweets. From a lot of people, but especially people in power. You know, nothing gives me more satisfaction or nothing. I'm, I'm prouder of no other accomplishment than raising, you know, uh, well-adjusted blah, blah, blah children, right? It has, it's usually words to the effect of my greatest achievement is being a father, right? Yes. <laughs> but fucking, but our boy Trump tweets out yesterday. This is his Father's Day tweet. Witch hunt. <laughs> what? Witch hunt. Mm. Nothing about his kids from, you know, the kids from three different moms, one of which he had. One of the kids was with his, I guess, his uh, side piece. <laughs> and then his, his newest kid, while that woman was pregnant, he had sex with Stormy Daniels, had to pay her off. Family values, you know, the Republicans. But I just thought it was funny because there's. OK, so here's Obama and he was president. I don't know if you remember. And he tweets out a picture of uh, Mrs. Obama. What's her name again? Michelle. And the two children. And, and it's, a, it's a shot he's taken. And he said basically that. Of all my many accomplishments, being Malika and Shalia's... Uh, what her name is? Da- Dad is my greatest achievement. <laughs> and then over there is a guy going, witch hunt. I don't know. I just find I know, it amusing. It's- I, 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 like, well, it's quite apparent. It, it's, it doesn't matter. His followers, it just does not matter. It doesn't matter what he does. No matter what he, it doesn't matter what he says. It's not going to change. And you know my theory on it, but I, and I won't bore you with it again, but. Um, please. They don't care. Hmm? They don't care about their country, yeah. Well, no, they don't care about their country. And the thing is, the, again, it's the seed. They want the world, they want the country to be like, like he supposedly wants it. So to get there, they don't care what he's like. They, well, they, I wish you were at, don't care. I wish you were at breakfast yesterday to witness what I got to see. And I, I tried not to get too involved in it, but I don't want to get into it too much, except to say that there was somebody there who is a friend of my brother's, who you've met, who right. is, he sees this all differently than of we course. do. And um, and he got quite elevated, because even though you, I could sort of get him to say, yeah, Trump's not the greatest guy, but he's of that, it's all those right-wing tropes, you know, the mm. Democrats, you know, he actually said at one point, well, if there is a war, no, Democrats aren't going to be able to defend you. I'm like, do you hear what you're saying? <laughs> and, then, and then he says something, at one point he goes, Democrats uh, never invent anything. You know, the people that are doing the real work, the farmers, the coal miners. And I said, yeah. well, oh yeah. And I said, well, you know, that cell phone you're using, that wasn't invented by coal miners and farmers, you dumb fucker. <laughs> like, he actually said that. Well, the people that do the real work and I said, you know, what I mean like that the people that invented the internet and science, those aren't real workers, you know, the penicillin you're taking, the you know, all that. I said that that doesn't anyway. Does, so I, I tried to stay away from it because I could see it was getting elevated. But the bottom line is this on the weekend in Texas, the uh, GOP 
uh, the Texas Republican Party basically passed a motion at their convention denying the results of the 2020 election and not recognizing Joseph Robinette Biden as president. They actually did that this mm-hmm. year. I mean, this weekend. Clear, you know, it doesn't matter what they heard at that committee. That's the problem with America. They, they literally have now little pockets of people that are saying, no, no, the election was stolen. Mm-hmm. And they all know it wasn't. That's what I said to my, my brother's friend the night before when we were having a rational discussion. I said, you know, I'll give you some points. You're right. Not everything the Democrats do is great. It's not great. But I said, and we were having the discussion that you and I often have, CNN versus Fox. He goes, they're not fair and balanced. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, here's all you need to know about Fox. They didn't show one of the most, I don't, unprecedented moments in American history. They didn't show the first hearing. That's all you need to know. CNN did. Another thing is they never say anything bad about Trump. CNN often criticizes Biden, inflation, um, all this. I said, they, and he's like, no, they do. And I go, Dave, I, I mean, if I had my phone here, Dave, I could show you that they do. But, he, but that's the real problem is that the perception is that the Democrats are just as bad as the Republicans. And I said, well, they're bad, but they're not just as bad. At least they're not denying the fact the election Mm-hmm. And that's still, and that's the problem. Is uh, you know, this many months later, there's still there's still a bunch of Americans that are saying it was stolen, even though many of them know that's a lie. This guy is sad with it. Well, what's in it for him? I don't. I don't like, know. So, I don't know, man. I I, I mean, politically, I don't of get that it. Western movement. Yep. Well, not part of it. He's been, you know, he's he's been who he is his whole life. It's not new. You know, he's the farmers feed family guy, which is true. Farmers do feed families. And uh, but he's, you know, typical of, you know, and and it was interesting because all the things he was saying were all the things you hear people say, you know, the radical left and fossil fuel and, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Trump, not that he was like, Trump's not a bad guy, but Trump's not the worst. And at one point I said, well, at least I sort of jokingly said, well, I'll tell you who loves Trump. I said, George, you know, that dunderhead George Bush Jr. He's like, why do you say that? Well, he wasn't. I, I said, well, why do I say what? That he was an idiot? Because he was. Anyway, but you can't have that conversation. It gets kind of elevated, and I tried to step away from it because I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Guns, religion, bigotry. Yeah. That's all where it comes from. They want America to be. You know, a certain kind of country. They want they want America to be what it was decades ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they figure Trump's going to get them there, so he can do whatever he does along the way. And there's an element of that in 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 Canada. Oh yeah, like it was like they've just you know there's the freedom. The dum dum rally is going back to Ottawa for July first. So. What is usually a great event for families will probably be disrupted on some level because these assholes are going back there in the name of free. Like, every, everything's pretty much been relaxed. <laughs> oh, I know. What but are, they're going to protest the remaining COVID stuff that's in place. Well, you're not fooling me. What COVID that's stuff's still right. in place, man? Oh, some travel restrictions and stuff. I don't know. But that's that's just bullshit, Howard. It's the same thing. They don't want Canada 
to change. Mm-hmm. They want Canada the way it used to be. Well, I can and tell you now. Through <clears throat> Poliev and through Trump, they see an opening mm-hmm. like, hey, we can run through this door right now and try and save Canada from the future. Um, well, having traveled like you did in the States uh, this past winter, I traveled internationally in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then this is the first time I've been on a domestic flight, I think, since COVID. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And a few days before my flight, Air Canada sends out a notification. You no longer have to even show proof of vaccination. You have to have it. Right. right. <clears throat> but you don't need to show it. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I forget how it came up, but I've talked about this in when I grew up in Scarborough. It was just white, white, white Canadians were white people. And then there was Chinese people and the odd, odd black person. Mm-hmm. No South Asians at all growing up in Scarborough. And there's an element of our country. That's what they want. Like, that's what they think Canada should still be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous because just by... You know, evolution and the world's becoming smaller and immigration helps economies and you can't, you know, you can't not grow. But that's what they want. I mean, that's their image of what this country should be. We're losing control to visible minorities. I, I, again, I keep saying it, but that's to me, that's where it all begins. And we have it here. And I think what you see out west is part of it and why these go- guys are going to Ottawa. That's why. And it, it, how futile is that? <laughs> well, I can tell you the uh, makeup. And I was in Calgary from Thursday night until Sunday afternoon. And for the days I was in the city, and we were staying pretty close to the Stampede Park, which is pretty close to downtown. So there was a few, there was a few drive-throughs the city where I could sort of see or take the, you know, you get a sense of the population. And it wasn't until I got back in line in the airport to go back to Toronto, mm-hmm. Toronto, where you would start to see what we see here all the time, which is right. all manner of religions and colors and ethnicities. Is that a word? Ethnicities? Ethn- yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the that we see and we're very we're very comfortable with because it's what we see all the time. We live in a city where somewhat. I don't know, 51, 2 or 3% of the population is, you know, non-white. Right. But most of the population that I saw in Calgary was of a pretty Caucasoid uh, vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't matter what color we are, Fred. We all have a human body that we need to take care of. And I, of course, like yourself... Keep track of my day-to-day health with the Health Gauge Phoenix. Yes, I do. Health Gauge Phoenix. Phoenix is rising. When I said I wasn't feeling well a couple times this week and I started to feel like I'm like, am I getting a fever? But of course, all I do is look down at my watch. I'm like, nope, I'm bang on. Same with blood pressure. You know, same with, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can... If you just want to put it on sport mode while you're working out, and I'm not talking about... You know, uh, counting steps in sport mode, it calculates effort in and calories burned. It really is the complete 
health and fitness watch. That's really what we should call it, a health and fitness watch. And it's available to Humble and Fred listeners. Yes, it is. HealthGage.com, promo code HFG. I'm sorry. Promo code HumbleFredHG for 15% off at checkout. That's HumbleFredHG. Check out the HealthGage Phoenix at HealthGage.com. I'll tell you, for your financial health, you know who you want to talk to. Yeah, baby. You know who you want to diagnose your situation. You know who you want to operate on what you have. That is the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett. He's a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim's your guy. If you have a portfolio, you're not happy with it. You think uh, you could be doing better. He'll have a look. Uh, no strings attached. No obligation. He'll have you. He'll have a look and he'll give you the straight goods. You might come over to his side. You might not. Tim is licensed on both sides of the border. So uh, anybody listening south of the border, this applies to you as well. He's Tim Niblett. He's the Retirement Sherpa. RetirementSherpa.ca. Well, you were talking earlier about this big hacky game. Hacky. Uh, well, it's on Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook. One of America's top-rated sportsbook apps has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports. From MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more, by the way. Our man Adam Hadwin from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, got himself a nice nice top 10 at the uh, U.S. Open yesterday. It's very exciting. Um, do it now. Uh, special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Join the action. Download the app and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. Physically present in Ontario, eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call Connex Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. Please play responsibly. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. So go to the App Store now. Download the Sportsbook app. That's offering 2-to-1 odds on a hockey team, one of them, to score a goal uh, every day in June or every day that the playoffs continue. Get in on the action only at DraftKings Sportsbooks. Um, Yeah, man. The U.S. Open, why I love... Well, why why golf fascinates me in a way that no other sport does. You know, these courses, what, six to 7,000 yards long? This one was 7,200 yards long. Okay, 7,200 yards guys stand up with drivers and hit the ball over 300 yards Mm -hmm. and then they you know precision shots in from 100 yards and all that blah 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 but the u.s open comes down to an 11 foot putt right yeah (laughs) just tapping the ball and it missing a playoff by what a quarter inch maybe Barely, Half an inch? you know. I heard his press conference. He said six foot, six feet away from the hole. He was sure it was going in. Yeah, but again, all that power and all that distance, and then it comes down to that. It's pretty cool <laughs> when you think about it. And it's compelling. I thought that ball. I thought that ball was going in too, and then it just did it lip or just almost. No, it just you know it, it was mm-hmm. it was curling toward the hole, and then kind of just briefly straightened out just enough. Yeah, for it to slightly miss, and you could see when mm-hmm. you know he kind of buckled because he thought he'd made it. Yeah. yeah, but what's also interesting about that is that the guy that won is a great kid, but in 2013 he won the U.S. Amateur 
which is the highest, you know, it's the biggest thing you can win as an amateur in the sport. I mean, you might argue, okay, the British amateur, but it's not. It's U.S. amateur is the biggest one. And then this many years later, he wins the U.S. Open on the same course that he won the U.S. amateur. Only two other people have ever done that. Like all those little sort of that type of history and the, the fact that this was the first sort of big country club in the United States. It inspired so much American golf. At the time, this club um, sort of opened. There might have been a couple hundred thousand golfers in America. And then this caddy won the 1913 U.S. Open and then exploded golf in America. I mean, and there's so much history to it. Not that there isn't that in hockey. I mean, some of that's gone away. Like when you would watch games at the old Montreal Forum or at the old Maple Leaf Gardens, you could hearken back to a time when the greats of the game played in that arena. I mean, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, modern rinks don't quite have that. There, there are some ballparks, though, like Fenway Park, where they're the same field that Babe Ruth played on. I think that stuff's, you know, got some... I think that has a, a different feel to it than the, you know, yeah. the Verizon Center. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So true. I mean, that's why, you know, Boston long ago needed a new stadium, but they'll never think of replacing that. Weird situation to be in, isn't it? Where the Boston Red Sox have a home, uh, home park that seats like 33,000, they could probably build a 50,000-seat stadium and fill it for Red Sox games, but you don't screw with that. Same with Wrigley Field. They're sort of caught between a rock and a hard place that way. And still, with 33,000 seats at Fenway, still one of the biggest revenue generators in baseball. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'll ask you anyway. Are there any rinks left in the NHL original sort of, you know, the no. not one. Eh? No. In fact, we're getting to the point where, you know, the, uh, well, Scotia bank center now is what? 23 years old. It's probably mid pack in, in age. And it just seems like yesterday it was mm-hmm. brand new. Right. Yeah. But no, I, 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 you know what, Howard, I don't, Saddle Dome maybe is the oldest and worst. Yeah, well, this, I, it's funny because uh-huh. I, I was near the Saddle Dome and I, neither of my brothers knew the answer to this question, but I was in Calgary when the Atlanta Flames became the Calgary Flames. Right. And maybe you know this, but for the first couple of seasons, they didn't play in the Saddle Dome. They played in a smaller rink that was not NHL capacity. It was, it was like five or 6,000. Do you remember it? The Calgary Cowboys of the WHA played there, and it was called the Cow Palace. There you go. See, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I knew it was something. Mm-hmm. And then they built the Saddle Dome, and by '88, when they won the Stanley Cup, it was in. That's where they played. Yeah, it was similar to like the Rico Center here. You know um, where the Marlies play. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's that would be if anybody needs a new rink, it's Calgary. But why is that? Because it's well, capacity because it's is old. It's nineteen thousand or close to twenty thousand seats. Yeah, but it's just it's just old and it's tired and it was built in the mid eighties and it's not up to two thousand twenty two standards as far as you know how they can make better revenue through it. 
So baseball still has a couple of original historic parks. What about football? You know, again, I'd, I'd, I'd have to spend some time with that. Lambeau Field in Green Bay, yes. Um, what about in Boston? Where, the, uh, where do they play in Boston? Oh, they play in Foxborough. Okay. Gillette Stadium. Yeah, it's older, but it's not historic. And Buffalo, they've been playing at that park for a long time. Or what is it? 73. Again, okay. old, but not historic. Right, right, right. Well, Lambeau's historic. I mean, that's what's... what what. Why this place that they played this golf tournament is special is because it's it's an old golf course that they've been able to keep relevant to the modern game. Because even though it was 7,200 yards, it's short now by typical tour standards, and it's really short by major championship standards. Most golf courses these guys play on typically are now between 7,500 and 7,700 yards long. And to give you some perspective, you know... The average human being, man or woman, listening to this show might play a golf course around six thousand yards, sixty-two hundred yards is you know where most people are playing or should be playing. And I played a golf tournament amongst uh, against some kids about a month ago in in London. And that weekend, I played a course that was seven thousand yards, and that's long. Hmm. It's a it's a lot of work. So these kids are they said it's just there's. As you know, you can imagine, there's they, they. I can't relate, even at my level, can't relate to how far these guys hit the ball. But see, I find that interesting too. So, is a sixty-two hundred yard course long? Uh, I say about average course, six, between fifty-eight hundred and sixty-two hundred yards is probably kind of average where the average guy plays. So, a seven thousand yard course is long. So. 800 yards stretched over out of stretched out over 18 holes. Oh yeah. You you notice a difference. Big difference. You know what I mean? Oh, huge. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, so the six here's the I'll give you the quickest 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 mm-hmm. example. So a long par 4 on a 6200-yard golf course might be 380 yards. Mm-hmm. A long par 4 on a 7000-yard golf course is 475. 480. Okay. So I played right. several holes that weekend mm-hmm. where I hit my best drive and I still had 200 yards to the hole. <laughs> if, I, if I'm mm-hmm. playing a 6,200-yard golf course and I hit my best drive, I'm going to have 60 yards to the hole. So it's a bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why my name's not on my bag. I mean, my golf bag. It's on my other bag. Um, okay. Yes, but it's, in the, it's on the ring of fame at the National. That's true. Um, listen, everyone. Tomorrow we've got, uh, I see now that, and, I, and I'm glad that this worked out because I felt bad bumping Darren Frost from a show that we weren't going to do, but we ended up doing a show. So we've got that story tomorrow. Also, the story of Dan Duran's backward bathing suit. And... Um, I'll tell you a story about a streak that I've been on for six years and nearly six months that was was broken by mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'll tell you about that little story tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. And uh, thanks very much. Oh, I got to see. Dan did the uh, thing, so I got to play. I don't know if I can do this, Dan. Let's see if I can work this out. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan. 
Bodog, HealthGage, Relaxacare, and DraftKings. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Durant, and I'm going to drink some more water. Howard is taking a nap, and Fred is looking at the forecast preparing to complain. Remember, embrace every goddamn day. All right. Like and subscribe. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Well,